Nonsense. It's episode 14. It's your host, Eric, and I'm joined, as always, by Kayla. Howdy. And no one else. It is just Eric and Kayla's show today. How are you feeling, Kayla? Uh, I'm feeling good. Feeling good. All right. So, yeah, like I said, the rest of the cast got St. Patrick's Day off. It's just me and Kayla running the show. We've kind of got a big show today. Uh, A lot of stuff came out, a lot of news. Uh, We've been checking out a lot of things, and we're here to talk about it. So we're going to start with our wrap-up of The Sinner, Season 1. We finished The Sinner, Season 1, featuring Jessica Biel and Bill Pullman. We mentioned in previous episodes we've been checking out uh, The Sinner. used to be a USA show, but now it's on Netflix. What did you think of it? It can be complex. There were there were parts that I I didn't like about it. It's one of those uncomfortable shows. <laughs> Makes you feel weird and uncomfortable in many ways. Yeah, it it had a lot of parallels to something else we're going to be talking about. We also checked out Promising Young Woman. Part of this episode is going to be a review of that movie and I feel like that show, The Sinner and Promising Young Woman, had a lot of parallels, um, a lot of themes of like sexual violence, trauma, things of that People nature. People not doing things that make sense. <laughs> yeah, the authorities um, maybe not uh, being the people to trust, um, as as you see. But overall, I, I think it was, was pretty good. There's two additional seasons available right now. I'm really excited to to keep going um how did you feel about like the conclusion and where it kind of leaves leaves uh well i wanted to say that it did give me a lot of oh what's that show with mahershali oh true detective (laughs) gave me a lot of true detective feels there were points when we started to watch it when it's still super mysterious and i liked those things like i said there were lots of questions i had about like uh, why isn't anybody letting this woman talk to a therapist? Like, she just murdered somebody on a beach, and they had one therapist talk to her, where she's clearly, she's clearly crazy. At least what it would seem, some, something is going on. When she says that she doesn't remember things, uh, Bill Pullman will catch certain uh, strings that he sees as leading he 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 gets a lead based on things that she says or things that she sees and then he follows them um and nobody else understands why and his partner doesn't ever go with him anywhere and uh so there are lots of instances where a partner would have came in handy but he wasn't there the conclusion again like when she's trying to remember all this it's mysterious and it makes you think it's going to be a bunch of things and then it turns out they're not. They just kind of lead you on a wild goose chase and then maybe the ending was, I don't want to say unsatisfying because it was, just wasn't, uh, I guess, where I thought it was going. Yeah, I think they keep you guessing. It's it's a detective show. I, li- I like the, the pull of True Detective. It, it did have a lot of those those same vibes. Um I do wish that there was more. I mean, the, the the big pull of True Detective, if you haven't seen it, is the interplay of Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey, the two partners. I mean, they get to and and in further seasons, there's there's also kind of partners in in the other seasons. Um, Bill Pullman didn't get to act off of anyone or you know butt heads with with Just a partner. Being fucking weird. Yeah, yeah, he's got his own things going on, but. He could have really used a partner or a a sidekick or something else like that to play off of. But it definitely, yeah, if you're looking for a good, like, mystery, I, I don't think the ending was something you would say that you, you figure it out early on. I, I don't think either of us did, kept us guessing. Um, there's definitely some threads that it pulls you in a certain direction and then... It pulls the rope out, out from or the rug out from under you, definitely. Yeah, I'll I'll watch the other two seasons, which are not supposed to be directly related, right? 
I think Bill Pullman returns um, as the lead detective, but I, I don't think... But um, it's a new mystery. Right. I think it's a new mystery each, each time. Okay. Um, so that was the center. We also checked out Promising Young Woman. Um, we're not going to go into that in detail right now, but we are, at the end of this episode, going to do a pretty fair deep dive into it, uh, including some some pretty heavy spoilers. So if you haven't checked out Promising Young Woman, feel free to listen to this up until the end. I'll make a note of when we're going to talk about Promising Young Spoil. Woman. <laughs> and, uh... We'll, uh, you can pause, and uh, we'll, we'll go into deep spoiler territory, and then you can come right back and, and listen to us. But what I will go into is our news section. A couple little funny, funny bits of news. Taika Waititi, everyone's favorite writer and director, um, won a Grammy. Uh, this last weekend was the Grammys. He, he actually, uh, speaking to some reporters, and said he completely forgot that he was even up for this Grammy, it was for Jojo Rabbit, a 2019 movie that I think we both enjoyed. You enjoyed Jojo Rabbit. I did. I, I liked Jojo Rabbit a lot. Yeah, and he won for the, the soundtrack. Um, uh, something like Best Original Soundtrack, I think, was the Grammy. But yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere. I just don't know how that works. It's a 2019 thing. Was it not up for any... It was up for awards. and even It was even up for awards in 2019, wasn't it? Oh, well, for Oscars. And I think it... it Came away with a, a couple of Academy okay, so Awards. This is Grammy. But this is the Grammys for music, you, right? You know, like with the pandemic and stuff. I guess the timelines no are different for the awards. Yeah, well, I I guess, but yeah, a year and a half basically difference. It's I'm sure it's a, a COVID just thing. Blame it on the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. but Just funny. Uh, he he accepted the award, uh, and he's been you know doing some some appearances and things. He's he's hard at work. But uh, yeah, now they can add Grammy winner, winner to the uh, to to the list of accomplishments for for Taika. Speak- He's getting to that EGOT, right? Yeah, he'll he'll get there. He'll get there. I'm sure. Uh, who knows? Maybe he's got one. I think he's halfway there. Gosh. On another note of um, weird occurrences, so so the movie Tenant came out in the height of of the pandemic, and Christopher Nolan during that. When a lot of people were telling him to to release it to a streaming service, release it to VOD, etc., he said, "No, this is a this is a film you must see in theaters." He pushed really hard for the studio to to not allow it to be uh, streaming to to be pushed in theaters, and and the movie frankly suffered at the box office because of it. People weren't going out to see Tenant. Um, we checked it out. I think we both. Liked it, didn't love it, right? Would, would right. Be what you'd say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in um, in a little bit of a fuck you to to Christopher Nolan, a YouTuber who's known for uh, making uh, romports, he took Tenet and put it on five cartridges for the Game Boy Advanced. So there's a, there's a YouTube video where you can see he goes and uh, details completely his process. And everything on it. It's really hilarious because Christopher Nolan, you know, loving or hate him, like his mu- movies or whatever else, he he kind of took a lot of of heat from people for taking such a hardline stance of oh you've got to see my movie in in theaters. And now people are just doing anything they can to get to get his his stuff onto wild things. So you can watch uh, Tenet in glorious. Uh, Game Boy Advanced resolution, if you want to, right now. Uh, in fact, you can. There's a detailed YouTube video on how how you can do it yourself. In fact, uh, pretty pretty interesting. You th- you think we're gonna uh, watch Tenant on GBA? Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> I think we should watch that movie again, though. It it might be one of those movies that makes more sense the second time you watch it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But um, I don't know how much sense that thing could ever make to me, to be yeah, quite honest. I've heard a lot of people say, just don't try to make it make sense, and uh, you'll have a good time with Tenet. I, I might agree, because um, if I think about it too hard, I uh, my head spins still. On to some video game news. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge was announced. It is a... Uh, it's a new game, but very much in the vein of Turtles in Time and some of the other 
Turtles beat em up games. Yeah, it's a beat em up. I was just about to say that. Yeah, side scrolling beat em up, uh, very arcade style. Um, there's no official release date at this point, um, but I'm pretty pumped. They redid the the theme song. It's it's pretty cool. You can hear it uh, on on YouTube or check it out. I think it's on on Spotify too. It but, looks really good. Yeah, it's really pretty. It, I, they they took the aesthetic of like Turtles in Time, the old arcade game. And only updated a little bit. Like, the colors are a little more vibrant. Still looks like an arcade game. Yeah, yeah. But it's it looks just like... a little bit crisp. It's like looking at an arcade game in, in 4K. Yeah, I'm <laughs> super excited because beat-em-ups were really some of the earliest games that I fell in love with. Going to the arcade and playing, like, any of the Turtles games or... Alien vs. Predator, or the Simpsons arcade game, or the Avengers arcade game. All those beat-em-ups were just so fun, and and you'd even, like, meet people or whatever, like, other people you'd, you'd play with, um, and uh, it was just a cool time, and now to be able to just do that in your home with your friends. I, um, I didn't spend a lot of time at the <laughs> arcade when I was little. Oh, man. That was like my favorite thing. If I could get my my ma to to take me to an arcade, or especially on like a vacation or something, it seemed like uh, when I was younger, you know, mid '90s, something like that, you could always you know find an arcade at a hotel or, or something like that. And, and I don't remember that. <laughs> oh man! And there would be just like a, a you know a machine like Turtles in Time or something that you could just sink sink some quarters into. And you know at that time, '95 or something like that. You know, it was like a quarter a game or something else, and you could you know, play for, for a while. Yeah, for like a buck, you could. Until you died, you know, a couple all the way, Yeah, yeah, it was a fun, fun time. So now with no, um, uh, no machine to feed quarters, uh, you just play in your own home. Super fun. into that. Yeah, yeah, fun. it's definitely the type of game we could, um, you know, maybe stream or something coming up. Back to movie news. Um, I've said many times in this podcast, I am really excited for a certain movie coming up. Coming up tomorrow, actually, as we're recording, uh, the Snyder Cut will be released tomorrow, Thursday the 18th, on HBO Max. So this is, uh, if you haven't listened before, this is the new complete remake of the Justice League, which came out a couple years ago, bombed completely at the box office, ripped apart by critics, uh, sitting at a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. Fans have been clamoring to release the Snyder Cut. It was a whole hashtag on Twitter. It was a whole movement. Kind of tongue-in-cheek. Just super fans of the DC Universe kind of making fun of the fact that there was all this footage that was just unreleased, cut up, and everything else. Well, Zack Snyder was given $70 million to cobble together a Frankenstein uh, his <laughs> of his actual idea for the Snyder Cut. And that's going to release uh, on, on the 18th. Right now, it is sitting at a 77% on Rotten Tomatoes. That is pretty interesting. These are early reviews before it's released. We'll see what else uh, what else happens as far as that goes. But I did want to make a note that I'm really excited once again and that the early reviews are getting me that much more pumped. What do you think, Kayla? This is a four-hour movie. Four hours is a long time. Yeah, that's that's going to be real... Real interesting. We'll we'll talk more about that uh, in a in a future episode once we've had a chance to to check it out. Um, but it's definitely getting me that much more excited for the Snyder Cut. One more uh, piece of movie news. I wasn't really aware of a Nicolas Cage movie coming out called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. This is coming out on. Friday, March 19th. This sounds like a trip. So, Nicolas Cage plays himself in this movie. He 
is hard up for cash, just like Nicolas Cage. And he's hired by a drug kingpin, played by Pedro Pascal, uh, to act out all of his famous roles. Does he know that? Does he know that's why he's going there? I think he does, because I was reading the uh, small synopsis on IMDb. It looks like he's actually going to be undercover, somehow with the CIA, to bring down this kingpin, all while he's acting out his his famous movie roles. So, kind of interesting. Uh, I'm kind of excited for this. I mean, Nicolas Cage has become a meme, uh, really, in in the movie world. He, he, he's, he's more like an attitude. Uh, he's a vibe? Yeah, he's, he's a his vibe. own vibe? Yeah. He is! Like, I mean, he's, he's like a, a parody of himself now, just making all kinds of wild movies, and to just kind of make a movie about that? Nicolas Cage being Nicolas Cage? I think it could be interesting. How excited are you for that? I'll watch it. It'll be weird. Nicolas Cage is not my favorite actor because uh, he's weird, but um, not good weird. Not that being weird is a problem, but he's just not. He's he's not the vibe I like. But I'll watch it. I I, I enjoy comedies, and I've been missing comedies in my life. Not enough of them lately, so it'll be a welcome, hopeful change. Yeah, I'm interested to see how much Pedro Pascal is in this movie, because he's kind of, like, the hot new thing. I'm excited to see that, too. Yeah, Yeah. he's in everything now. It seems like everyone's casting him. He's in Wonder Woman. He was cast as Joel in The Last of Us. Yeah, he's he's the Mandalorian. I mean, like, the guy is arguably the hottest, like, male lead right now in in Hollywood. Um, And uh, to be playing alongside... Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage is is pretty interesting. So that's the unbearable weight of massive talent coming out March nineteenth. I have no idea what this is on. I'm assuming this will just be a straight to VOD um, kind of rental, ten dollar type type rental. But um, pretty pretty interesting. So. We got to watch 25 minutes of an upcoming video game that we're both really excited. So IGN, Ryan McCaffrey from IGN, got to sit down with the developers of Aliens Fireteam. This is a three-player co-op, third-person shooter, I guess you would call it, Um, in the vein of like a Left 4 Dead or... Um, World War Z, three co-op players are fighting against various waves of of aliens. This is in the Alien universe, a, a you know movie franchise that both of us know and love. Um, but we got to we watched the whole thing. It looked really great. You thought the I'm same, real right? excited. I can't wait for it to come out. But there were a lot of really good details that came out um, in in the demo in in. Uh, the conversation that that Ryan from IGN got to have with the developers. So there's going to be 30 weapons with over 70 mods and attachments. Now, in the Alien universe in the movies, um, there's only really been a handful of weapons ever shown. It seems like the humans are typically under... Get the flamethrower! Yeah, undergun. Yeah, you get your flamethrower, you get your pulse rifle, your smart gun, and they showed all of those, but... Uh, they made a habit of saying that, like, this is a game with a ton of different weapons, a total customization. Um, really interesting. There's over 20 different enemy types, too. So I think that's where the That'll different... be cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in the movies, and even in, like, the, the video games that Aliens have been in and stuff, you kind of have only a handful of, of different aliens, uh, different alien abilities and things. Some of the things they showed off were... Warrior aliens that could take a ton of damage. They walked upright. Uh, they showed... they were like tanks. Yeah, yeah, they were. A lot of hand-to-hand combat with them, too, it looked like. They showed... Like, they looked like the the aliens would attack you. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
Uh, they showed like aliens that would stalk you, run away if they were damaged, um, spitting aliens, aliens that explode. Acid. Yeah. Lots of acid blood, of course. They didn't show any, but they also mentioned there would be synthetic, uh, like cyborg robots, what have you, that you'll you'll have to fight. So that's that's pretty interesting, too. That'll probably mix it up. They mentioned there's five player classes, and there's a leveling up mechanic in in the game. Uh, it's meant for, you know, replayability. You can use different classes, level them up. Uh, you're meant to be making a team, a fire team of three. Uh, so there's some more heavy gunner, you know, light gunner, support classes, things of that nature. Traps. They, yeah, they didn't detail them completely, but what they showed in the demo was like a heavy gunner, a, a more basic marine, kind of a very versatile one, and then one that was more of a support class who could set traps and, and items and things of Turrets. that nature. Yeah, so so a lot of variability there. They said there's four campaigns that would have a, a story element running through all of them, and each campaign was broken into three different missions. Um, and to keep things interesting, they mentioned this... They called it the challenge card system. So at the beginning of every match, you can use these challenge cards that would fundamentally change the gameplay. So the mission wouldn't necessarily be much different. Uh, the story wouldn't change, but the enemy behavior, uh, the resources, what you can do. One thing they mentioned was uh, a mode where you can only kill the aliens with, with headshots as opposed to body shots or turning on and off friendly fire, things of that nature. It seems like the type of game you're meant to kind of drop in, drop out, play um, repeatedly, like a Left 4 Dead or, or something like that. You played a lot of Left 4 Dead back in the day, right, Kayla? I did. Yeah, me, me too. I'm excited. that It does really make me feel very Left 4 Dead in space. And it's like a tiny, tiny studio. I think this is the only game they've really worked on but they said it's it's going to be available in summer of this year. Uh, just from the visuals, it, it looked really pretty. I thought it looked way prettier than initially when this was announced. Because this was only announced maybe a couple weeks ago. And now we're getting a, a bunch of footage. And it looks like a pretty well done game. Summer 2021, right? Summer 2021. Uh, was there anything else that kind of stood out to you or something you were, you were excited uh, I mean, even in the 25-minute demo that we watched, I feel like we didn't see that many different uh, aliens, xenomorphs. So with the four campaigns, I I have a feeling we're going to be doing, you know, those campaigns in different areas, which will be exciting to kind of build on the world, see different stuff. Yeah, yeah, 20, 20 is a big number. I mean, yeah, they maybe showed like five different types. 20, yeah, it's a big number. Like I said, yeah, we saw maybe five. Yeah, so it's really interesting because even like the five that they showed really were different. I mean, they, they caused the players to play a little bit differently. You had long range spitters. You had the, the stalkers, I think they called them, that ran away. Um, and then the Those more explosive ones. Yeah, and then the more like tank like enemies. If there's more variability even than that, could be really interesting because it seemed like a big mechanic in the game is is swarming. The the xenomorphs tend to swarm the players for on all sides. You have a motion tracker, uh, just like in in like the movies. You know you don't want to get swarmed. You don't want to get surrounded. The different enemy types kind of lead you to to do that organically. So, and it is interesting with the acid when they die and they bleed, it just creates acid. So it creates a whole nother mechanic that you have to play on. Yeah, it's like a trap that like there aren't necessarily. It doesn't look like the game has traps per se built in or puzzles, but like just the fact of where you kill a given alien could be important from a strategic stamp standpoint uh you know might prevent you from going down a hallway or something i'm excited can't wait yeah pretty interesting that's going to be on pc and consoles that's aliens fire team summer of 2021 on to something else we wanted to to touch the oscar nominations actually were just released this past monday 
I'm going to touch on a couple of those. What we're going to do as a show, as the Machine of Nonsense, is we're going to build the Oscars into some of our uh, upcoming podcasts. We're going to do a prediction show for some of the awards, and we'll also do a, a wrap-up to see how our, our predictions are. So you'll be able to look forward to those shows. But some of the, the big nominations that I do want to get into are for Best Picture. Um, so far, Kayla and I have been able to check out three of the Best Picture uh, nominees. So the Best Picture nominees are Sound of Metal, Mank, Minari, Promising Young Woman, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, The Trial of Chicago 7, and Nomadland. Kayla and I have checked out Promising Young Woman, Judas and the Black Messiah, and Nomadland. And honestly, if the other movies are as... Um, is depressing the right word? What, what's the word that we should use about all those movies? I feel like... Unsettling? Those... All of the unsettling is a fantastic term. All of those movies kind of leave you, they're all great in their own way. They're all entertaining and exciting. But all of those movies, I think while you're watching and, and when you leave them, leave you unsettled. I think that's, that's a, that's a good term for it. So we'll see about the other ones. We're, we're definitely going to check out the rest, uh, probably as a, as a group. Um, as the machine of nonsense and and we'll have more coverage on those all right so now we've got to the part of the podcast we're going to do our review of promising young woman so like i mentioned earlier this is going to be uh, pretty spoiler heavy it's hard to talk about this movie without spoiling some some plot points. I've got questions. Yeah, yeah. We, we need to uh, go pretty deep. So uh, talk about the ending and things of that nature. So if you haven't seen it, I think we both recommend at least checking it out uh, because it's please it's, watch it's it. it. Yeah, I think it's very enlightening and informative. Yeah, at, at very least, and I, I find it very entertaining on top. Absolutely. Of that. So it, it just did. Uh, lower in price as well, uh, to about $6 on most VOD services, so it's definitely worth worth that. So we're going to get right on it. Tell the folks, Kayla, generally what, what is Promising Young Woman? Uh, so it is following a young girl in her 30s dealing with a traumatic event. Uh, she kind of lives this double life. It seems to be violent, so she gets pretend drunk at bars and lets nice guys take her home. And then when they are a little too pushy, she sobers up and uh, asks them what they're doing. But it gets deeper than that, of course, but that's what draws you in. Yeah, definitely. Right from the opening scene, we kind of see see this lifestyle that she's leading. I want to say that when I was, about a month ago, I found out about this movie and... It was getting a lot of buzz. sounded really interesting. I thought it was something much different, I think, than what it ended up being. It's deep. Yeah, it's got a lot of things going on. It's kind of multiple genres of movie when you really, like, break it down, which, which we're going to do. I thought it was going to be a more simple thriller, revenge-type plot. And, and there's a lot of that in there, but uh, you find out that there's... There's a lot more. There's a lot more going on. I feel like it's like two, three movies all layered. Yeah, definitely. So so we mentioned right from the opening scene, we kind of see what Cassie is all about. What what her thing is. We're gonna Doing we're gonna keep, her thing. Yeah, we're gonna keep calling it her thing. So like Kayla mentioned, she goes out, she pretends to get sloppy drunk, and then men try to take her home and, and they succeed. She lets them succeed. But she's sober the whole time, and she gives them every opportunity to stop what they're doing. I mean, she even goes to the point where she says, like, what are you doing? Stop. 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 Yeah, she stop. does a, a real imitation of what's actually going on if, if she were to be drunk. Um, Just how easy it is. Right, right. And, and right from... From those first moments, you know, you, you're you not really sure. You don't know that she's acting, honestly, until... Yeah, she's good. It's, it's, you're on the edge of your seat. 
yeah, you feel like, man, something bad's gonna happen. And, she does a great job. And then it turns from something bad's gonna happen to Cassie to what's gonna happen to this guy because she turns into just a stone-cold silver death stare. I mean, those were some of my favorite scenes of her waking up, let's say, from her her, her drunken state, uh, her fake drunken state, and just staring these guys down and and she pulls no punches, you know. She calls them out on exactly what what they're doing or what they were attempting to do. In the first guy, she takes home Jerry. He takes her home. He says he's going to take her to her house. But then he's like, oh, you want to have a nightcap? And she's like, got barf all down her face. Yeah, sure, I'll have a beer, sure. At the very end, once she does her uh, awake from drunken state, uh, you see her walking home in the morning. Daylight is out and she's eating a donut but all you see is like red stuff dripping down her arm and dudes are catcalling her and she just stares at them but then she goes home and brings out her little tiny black book which has all these tally marks in them of different colors might I mention and then she writes his name down Jerry yeah so it gives you a real idea of what's going There's on here pages and pages of tally marks yeah she's been she's been doing this for a while. We learn exactly to what extent and how long later in the film, but yeah, like Kayla said, this book is full. And the donut scene is really interesting because it's the first part in this movie. There is a ton of implied violence. I thought this was going to be a very explicitly violent movie. I thought she was going to just be murdering dudes or you know, enacting revenge right. That's not what this movie is. We don't really see her be violent towards anyone at, at any point in this film, uh, for the most part. But there's these little scenes like her eating this donut walking down the street after she's confronted this guy, where you kind of question, oh, is that... Like is that yeah. jelly? The scene's really, What's really nice because it starts at her feet and then it goes up and all you see is like blood dripping at her elbow, blood dripping at her forearm. Oh, she's eating a donut. So it's jelly. Is it red jelly? Please tell me it's red. <laughs> Please tell me it's not red jelly. I don't know. Please tell me what it is. <laughs> it's a real recurring theme of like, what is going on here? Right. How deep what is she happened? Getting? They don't show you a lot of stuff, I guess. No, no, they really yeah. don't. It's it. It's implied. It's, it's implied, and it's a mystery, really, throughout the movie. And it, it's done really well, I think. I, the more I think about it now, man, that, it, it's, a, it's a cool thing they're doing, really. So we get a little insight into to what her life is. Some of the next scenes are, are showing her at her home with her, her family life and, and at her job. She's a barista. And this opens up a, a pretty pivotal character, Ryan, Dr. Ryan, who's played by Bo Burnham, the comedian. He recognizes her right away as he comes into the, the coffee shop, and she doesn't recognize him. But he says, oh, hey, we went to school together. We were, we were in med school together. He essentially says, what are you doing here? Why are you working why, at a coffee yeah, shop? Yeah, why are you working here? <laughs> and uh, he can immediately tell. She's already, like, standoffish and, and stone cold already. She's not quite approachable. Right. Is... <laughs> exactly. And this kind of, like, you could just see, like, the fire in her eye. But she can be very approachable. Like, I mean, she's dressed very, like girly if you will it's lots of pink sweaters and floral tops and floral dresses and stuff and bows in her hair yeah she's super um, feminine throughout the entire movie really I, i'm sorry it made me think of it because she gets so stone in these moments but she also gets so girly and approachable in her 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 thing when she's doing other things for her plot she does become very approachable. So just a, a, a note for Carrie Mulligan. I, I really think she did a good job acting in this. Yeah, I think those moments where it goes, it shifts from one thing, from being like a ditzy drunk girl or whatever, to like woman on a mission. Those, it's it's pretty intense. It's it, like, it, it's all in the face, honestly. It's like all in her face and her voice, like just lowers. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's pretty nuts, like yeah. what she does. With, with this stuff. So Ryan comes in, Dr. Ryan, and <laughs> offends her deeply. Uh, she actually spits in his coffee right in front of him. 
but um, he drinks it. He drinks it. Yeah, he he's real really into her and and wants to do anything to to get her out on a date. We kind of get some insight into who she is outside of her her life, her thing, her nighttime thing. Um, and we see that she's. There's, there's torture there, right? Like, is that the, the right term to use? There's uh, something well, there. Well, they show her, like, looking at pictures of two young girls, like, best friends. She's got, like, a best friend necklace, like, the half heart thing. And you can just tell that she is a sad person. Yeah. Yeah, sad. She, it's her 30th birthday and she doesn't remember it. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't even know it and her mom is freaking out. And they gave her a suitcase, and she's 30, and she lives at home, and she dropped out of med school. So things are going pretty well. Um, yeah, she's dealing with some stuff. It does a good she's job. not interested. In yeah, I feel like it does a good job of kind of, like, slowly giving you those breadcrumbs of, like, okay, why, all right, first, why is she working at, we don't know, we didn't know she was a, a med, med school, school dropout. Yeah. yeah, she's just a barista or whatever. Oh, now she's a med school dropout barista what's the deal with that oh she's living with her parents like it does this kind of slowly and yeah this and is one of the overlapping moments of the two of two of the parts of these this film this yeah, three-part film it, it is it's it, it is really three there's parts. the beginning there's the romantic comedy and there's the end yeah yeah exactly and they overlap this Ex is one of those times exactly so because it becomes a romantic comedy as kayla mentioned Ryan makes it up to her. He comes back into the coffee shop. And He's he... funny. He makes her laugh. Oh, God. They're they're really pretty cool together. Yeah, they're, they're very cute. They they work well. They have chemistry. Yeah, he's like high energy. She's low energy. But, you know, they're just being sarcastic together. And you kind of, you're into it. It becomes, you almost forget how the movie started and, and what her, she's going going through. But then it cuts to her. She's still living her her lifestyle. She's still going out. You you see a couple. Yeah, other she scenes. yeah she blows off Ryan at one point. She just says like, "Oh no, I'm gonna go home and sleep." And you might actually believe that that was gonna happen because you feel like, "Oh, this is a different movie now. This is a happy movie." But then you see her like walking out of the bar, being carried out of the bar by a guy, and Ryan walks by and questions. And of course, she sobers up. So that has a whole fun scene with the guy that was trying to take her home. That's fun. But anyway, she blew it with Ryan. Yeah, and one of the things that we don't we don't know why why she's doing any of this at any point. And Ryan's really the key to getting the real insight right, to right. who who she is. So in one of their scenes together, one of their early scenes while they're just kind of getting together, he mentions a name. He mentions uh, the name Al Monroe. And you don't know the significance of this until uh, much later. It rings a bell uh, in, in a real interesting way for Well, you for see a spark in her eye right, right then. She even, like, asks more about it. And then you see her look on friender.com. <laughs> Uh, into his profile, uh, and you see, like, he's getting married. And everybody's commenting on it, like, Oh, you sly dog, and nobody's gonna hold you back, brother. You know, that just shit like that about everybody knowing that he was a dog. Like, everybody knew he was a shitty person. Um, they, it was jokes. That's that's what's funny. Men, men can be dogs, whatever. But it upsets her. She slams her computer down. She gets out her notebook, and she starts... Plotting. Yeah, this is kind of the part where the the third part of this, so we have some kind of thriller aspect to start it, then we have a romantic comedy, and now we have a plot. We have a caper. And what we see at this plot is little by little she's she's getting close to to Al and and we're learning why he's he's significant, his connection to Nina. And in one of the, the big scenes where we really figure out what what's going on here is uh, Madison, Allison Bree's character in the movie. An old classmate. An old classmate of Cassie's. They get together, um, what looks to be a simple lunch date, and 
the whole time we kind of see that Cassie is purposely getting getting Madison drunk and not drinking herself. Um, so yeah, they're out at brunch, having a good time, catching up like old biddies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so so we see Madison getting progressively more drunk, more open, and and we see the the questions start to come from Cassie. The accusations. Uh, and we learn that Nina was raped. We learn that many people knew about it. Pretty much the entire class, it seems, knew about it. The med school class. And Cassie straight up asks Madison, why did you take part in this? You know, why did you keep it a secret? Uh, her big question is like, do you feel differently about it now? And I give Cassie credit for that. She she was, I really feel like, just trying to make a change. Make a change in the world. People can't act like this. This is unacceptable. She, yeah, once she starts getting real drunk, she says, Oh, you remember Nina? You remember that night? Like, why why didn't you do anything about it? Uh, and do you feel differently now? Madison's response is like, oh, We were just kids. I mean, it's whatever. It was a joke. Cassie walks away from her at this point, and you see her go to the bar and, like, pay off this shady dude. Like, you don't see his face at all, but she gives this guy an envelope, which obviously has cash in it, and tells her a room number. So, again, another moment of implied violence, and it makes you just think, what is going on here? Yeah. What is she doing? It's interesting that you, you brought up, there's even a question of what would have happened if Madison her answer had been different. You know, I don't think I thought about that until kind of just now, till you just mentioned that. Well, I think it, it, I think they show us. And then now further goes on, she right is knocking at somebody's door and it turns out to be a lawyer. His name was Jordan Green. Played by Alfred Molina. Yeah, and he just like totally breaks down and it's a crazy moment that like you could tell she was there trying to do her thing and uh he's just like i'm so sorry i regret all of it i got all these people off like forgive me please forgive me and he's on his knees with his hands in her lap and it's a creepy scene that i (laughs) didn't really like it's a little uncomfortable but you know she sheds a tear and walks away and goes back to this creepy dude says like do i go in now and she's like nah it's it's cool yeah. So she calls it off at that point. Yeah, you you can kind of assume that, you know, that that guy, creepy guy in the trench coat was going to do something pretty bad to to the lawyer. And yeah, she she called it off it seems. So I I guess that is what she probably would have done with Madison I had think her it does a great answer. job with that. And and again, like this is the part of the movie that's overlapping. It's such an interesting when you sit back and look at it how it and I'm trying to process it, how it just overlaps the whole time. Like, oh, yeah, also at this time is when she's, like, being lover girl with Ryan. Yeah, And things are great. And they're can... going to the movies and singing in drugstores to Paris Hilton. <laughs> yeah, there's an excellent scene of um, them, you know, really kind of falling in love and, and having fun at this drugstore singing to the uh, the Paris Hilton hit, The Stars Are Blind. So that's that's a real watershed moment. I think it'll probably be the only Oscar-nominated movie this year that has a Paris Hilton song. <laughs> Might be the only one. Do like does that happen? Do people put Paris Hilton in their movies? Um, songs that I didn't even know Paris Hilton made a song. Um, that's the one. And and then right away you see her like getting a bunch of missed phone calls from Madison during this happy-go-lucky rom-com moment of the movies. But then Madison shows up at her door um, and is all freaking out because she's been calling Cassie, leaving messages like, oh, my God, I woke up in the hotel. Like, I think I did something like, who is that guy? Was that guy your friend? Like, I don't know if I had sex. Please call me back. And of course, Cassie doesn't call her back. But just kind of like a see, this is this is the feeling. This is what you did. This was what you were a part of. And this is how easy it was because. Madison was very like, well, that's what you get when you dress like that and get blackout drunk. Like, no, like, that's what you did. Like, did you deserve that? Absolutely not. And the movie does a great job just at, like, exposing that for black and white. Yeah, there's there's another scene during during all these plots. Um, and how we know 
that the plot's happening is we see these big tick marks, very similar to the tally marks that she's she's making in her notebook. They're, they come across the screen um, during these scenes, and one of them is is her trip to the dean of the school. Yeah. Um, and she kind of has the exact same situation with Madison. She has the same conversation. Why didn't you do something? Why wasn't there more of an investigation? How could you let this happen? Um, everyone knew that this was happening. The dean's response is, he had such potential. He was such a nice guy. Like, we didn't want to ruin his reputation. She, I think she, at one point she even says, like, you know how many accusations we get? Like, yeah. that it happens all the fucking yeah, time. Yeah, she puts a number to it. It's like, I Hundreds. get, like, one or two of these a week right. or something like right. that. And she says it as if, like, that's a good thing or as if that's, like, a, yeah, so they must good all argument. be, yeah, they must all be false, right? Like, if I get one or two of these accusations a week, but the tables are turned because we find out that Cassie, or at least she says, has kidnapped her daughter and taken her to a dorm with on the campus with, with a bunch of guys. And she tells the dean that, oh, it's just the same room that Nina was in when she was raped. You remember that room, right? You'll go and get your daughter. And the dean cared that little about this that she doesn't. She doesn't know what room that is. She doesn't really even remember But she's Nina. freaking out. She is so terrified that her high school-age daughter is in a dorm room with college boys. Yeah. Exactly. Freaking out. <laughs> During the day. <laughs> this is like right after school. Yeah, and, and it's it's Connie Britton is the dean, and, and it's a really good scene of just kind of two good actors like going at it. One who's desperate to save her daughter, or so and she one thinks. one who's a cunning bitch. Yeah, she just doesn't care. You know, she's just there to, to prove a point. And she's as so she's, calm in it all. It, she really so is. Calm. Yeah, it's 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 a lot in her, her it's her face and her voice. I mean, like... Uh, but I, she had me going. I thought she did do that. Oh, yeah. Then Cassie didn't. She was like, oh, she's at the diner. Like, ha, huh, see? It matters when it's somebody you love. Exactly. Exactly. That's kind of the stinger. She... she dips out at that point. I liked that. Really, this is kind of where everything hits ahead. It's where Ryan and Cassie's relationship, you know, gets to the point where they're saying, I love you. And it, it's looking like there's going to be a happy ending because what this does is it forces Cassie to to stop her plot. Uh, as Kayla mentioned, there's there's a lot of overlap here. She's she's doing all of this, this massive plot. It, it seems to get to, to Al to get revenge of some kind for her friend Nina, all while falling in love with Ryan. And it's looking like love's going to win out. But then we get another pivotal scene with Madison. Um, Madison shows up at the house and is, like, shaken up, you know, and she's upset with Cassie, and she tells her, like, uh, well, Cassie tells Madison, like, nothing happened, it's fine, sorry, like, I just paid him, he took you to the hotel room and put you to bed, no biggie. She's like, yeah, well, that's great and all, but... It got me thinking there was a tape at that night with Nina. She goes inside and gives her the tape and tells Cassie not to watch it. Um, but Cassie watches it. And you realize, of course, that it's the night that Nina was raped by Al. But there are a bunch of people watching. You just hear a crowd in the background screaming, Woohoo! Yay! Get her! Blah, blah, blah! And then you hear Ryan say, Oh my god! That's crazy. And then just kind of continues to laugh and not want to be on tape, but laughs and, and hangs out there. So, of course, Cassie is broken <laughs> at that moment. She might have been almost back together and she straight snapped. snapped. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And this is the plot's back on. Uh, and, and how it's back on is she now confronts Ryan and, and she's going to blackmail him. She knows that this tape exists. She knows that he's on him on it and she's going to ruin his entire you know medical career and you know probably uh probably not great for his personal life either um yeah and that's what he's upset about like oh god my reputation uh and cassie's just to the point straight up like how could you be there in this moment see this happen and not stop it or tell somebody or why are you friends with this fucking dude like it's crazy yeah it's 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 pretty pretty interesting because Ryan loses it, you know, it, it, just scenes earlier, 
they were in love and it was actually it was is real fun they're they're so fun together but when he's confronted with this thing that he's done he just completely lashes out but he gives up the location of al's bachelor party which we find out is kind of the entire idea behind cassie's plot she she wants to get at it. Yeah, she's been watching him on Friender. You see, like it's been a private event, but people are like, "Yeah, bachelor party." So she's you you can tell that she has been going along planning this out. So the climax of the film follows her to the de- the bachelor party. She sneaks in as a as a stripper as a stripper nurse uh, for a little play on her her former um, career they all went goals. To med school. Right. She gets all the uh, all the men, all the boys drinking, and then takes the groom to be up into the room, and uh, they're gonna play a little game. She handcuffs him to the bed. He's very uh, un unwanting. He he wants no part of this. He's um, saying like, "Oh no, no, I love my my uh, fiance. I don't want any of this. I'm not interested. Like it's okay. Like I'll, you don't have to do anything." Just, I'll pay you, it's cool. Yeah, at this point, you're almost like, you've never met Al up until this yeah, point. This All you know you is that what he's done, so you don't really know his character. You, you're assuming up until this point that he's some kind of awful human being, but the first thing we see of him is saying, like, no, I don't want a stripper, I don't want anything to happen, I love my he's got wife. Like a- polo on that's tucked in yeah he seems to probably be the only sober one at this bachelor party like he seems to kind of be a dork like a a nice guy yeah uh, in, in a lot it's of an ways. anesthesiologist he's a successful dude marrying a bikini model <laughs> right he's rich right uh so she she handcuffs him to the bed and lays it all out you know be, and the way she does it is she says her name <laughs> yeah, is I, Nina Fisher. I love it. She's like Nina Fisher. <laughs> 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 and he then and this is where we actually for really the first time anyone actually says that n- no, that's impossible because Nina's dead. Up until this point, we know that Nina's gone. That that something happened, but now we know. Yeah, we we know oh. that Cassie dropped out of med school to take care of her. But but never actually knew. I like um, I like to know. I like to be told things. <laughs> Definitely, and and the way they're doing it here near the end and in such a you know climactic scene is is it's it's pretty poignant. So she says she's she's got a plan and she thinks Nina's name needs to be known. Everyone knows Al's name, but no one knows Nina's. So she's gonna carve it into Al's body. She grabs her her scalpel gets on top of Al, and he breaks free. He breaks one arm free, wrestles her to the ground. They have a, a struggle. Wrestles her to the... They're still in bed. He they're still has still one, hand, one hand handcuffed. Yeah. Um. And and he gets gets a knee and a pillow on, on her head, and there is just a awkwardly long scene of him slowly suffocating, suffocating her to death. Yeah, it's, it's real... Kind of <laughs> difficult to watch. Yeah, he's and he's upset the whole time. He's crying, um, and when it finally is done, after she's had her like latent twitches, he like says, "This is your fault." <laughs> yeah, just another example in this movie of the the nice guys kind of breaking as soon as there's any type of uh, adversity. I'm gonna break till I gotta be great. <laughs> <laughs> but um. So he lays there in bed and is crying all night. He doesn't even try to break free out of his, that they show us, out of his other handcuff, which is still to the bedpost next to her body that has been there for hours. As they show you, it's starting to change colors. But one of the bachelor party guests comes in. Um, and this is also like a, a name that you know but haven't really uh, seen Joe, uh, one of his friends. They went to college together and everything like that, too. Um, and he's all like, you sly dog, you slept with the stripper, of course you did at your bachelor party. Time to go, sweetie. Um, but she doesn't move, and Al is crying the whole time trying to tell him, like, nah, man, she's, she's dead. <laughs> like, and he finally realizes it. Yeah, and they're gonna cover it up. 
They're, yeah, they're, yeah. they're, that's it. There's no question. There's no anything else. We're not turning ourselves in. Uh, we are going to it's cover this up. It's an accident. Right. And how they do that is they burn her body out in the woods. They just take it out to a clearing and, and we see them burning her body. It almost feels like the movie is going to end at that point. But we do get one final scene, um, or I guess a, a couple scenes. Yeah, they show you the fact that she's missing. They show cops go and ask, uh, yeah, they, they show cops go and ask Brian about Cassie and like, oh, you were dating, you broke up, when did you break up? Thursday. Well, she's been missing from Friday, since Friday. Uh, do you know where she was going? But Ryan absolutely did know where she was going and did not tell the cops there. But then the wedding happens. This has got it, let's say, in a week at least, uh, probably later. Um, and they're at the wedding, they're having a good time. Ryan's there, dressed all nice, hanging out. Uh, and he gets a scheduled text message from Cassie. And it's like loading, so it's just like the dot dot dot, and you see him like kind of getting what could this be? right, looking around. You, you kind of faintly start to hear sirens in the background. Uh, and you get a couple of messages from Cassie that are scheduled like, oh, you thought this was over? Like, winky face. And we um, get a little montage of kind of what's going on. She's given the the recording to the lawyer that we've seen earlier, Alfred Molina's character, Jordan, with a letter saying that, you know, if she's, if she's gone missing... Uh, this is where I was. This is what I was doing. Yeah. And, and you need to, you know, make this right, essentially. And, and the movie ends with that, with, um, you know, Al being taken into custody, Joe running away, uh, scared into the woods from this, this wedding. We finally get our justice in a, in a sense, but at the kind of expense of an, another life, Cassie's yeah. life as yeah, well. Yeah, she gave her life for the, for the fight. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about this movie online and and especially the ending you know a lot of people are kind of concerned with that ending because you know our hero if we if we want to say that you know died a pretty pretty brutal death and was justice served uh just by by that happening just by al finally going to to prison and not even for and that's the thing he's not going to prison for the tape neither yeah not that we know of he's going to yeah. to prison for the murder of cassie yeah um they make that clear the cops make that clear mm -hmm. so kind of an interesting you see joe running though he's dipping <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was funny it was <laughs> funny there's an interesting theory uh, online that's going around that it's actually all a dream sequence that that cassie has just been for most of the movie kind of daydreaming what she would do to all of these people, all these people who, who led to Nina's death. And it's pretty interesting when you when you think of it, I, I think. I don't know if I agree with it, but, but it's an interesting to, thing to, to think because there's so many scenes of her staring off into space and daydreaming and, and people kind of almost waking her up at, at points. There's, there's, a, there's a scene where she is asleep at the wheel or daydreaming at the wheel and a, a, a man drives up because she's blocking the road and just starts hurling like obscenities at her you know calling her a bitch whatever and she gets out stoic out of the car with a tire iron and just smashes up his car yeah and, no emotion at all ever <laughs> yeah scene. and it's almost like man like yeah she's like she's like a robot she's like a it, it feels like a dream sequence at at points, I, watching it, I never felt that way. But but the theories are at least interesting. I yeah, I didn't feel that way initially. Only when you mentioned that scene, then I'm like, oh, okay. Because yeah, you just see like you hear a honk, a uh, uh, a horn honking, uh, and then you see her like with her forehead on the steering wheel and like come to. So so it does make you think. Why was that scene even in there? Um, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It, it feels a little out of place, yeah, but, you know. I forgot all about it. <laughs> but, uh, so, real, real interesting. But, yeah, just to wrap up, I think, um, 
overall, I think we, we really enjoyed it, right? I, I did really enjoy it. I think people should watch it. I think that it's really, it can it can be really eye-opening for a lot of people. Be- because I, I feel like it's realistic in some ways. Like, I mean, are people going on serial killer uh, eye-opening nightlife routines? I don't think so. Maybe it happens here and there. She says that there are a bunch of women in the city doing it, and then one of them carries scissors. Um, <laughs> do I think that was just a threat? I-, I-, I thought the movie was really good. I thought it was really clever, really turning. I liked the overlapping uh, moments. It-, it had me very engaged the whole time. Yeah, I would say the the word that I would use is is surprising. I thought it was one thing, and I was surprised to find that it was, was something else. And I think the the way they use the the lack of violence, the lack of on-screen violence, is really, really different. Um, not what I was expecting, but but pretty refreshing. I, I was a big fan of that. So yeah, I think we're both saying we we recommend it. If you've listened to this whole uh, spoiler cast here, um, and you haven't seen it, sorry, we you warned you. You know the you. movie now, but. It's worth uh, maybe a second watch or a first watch. I'd watch it again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if you haven't checked it out, please do. Promising Young Woman. This has been The Machine of Nonsense. This has been Eric and Kayla. And we ask that you please subscribe, engage with our social media, tell your friends about the pod, and please leave a voice message at anchor.fm slash machine of nonsense to be featured on a future podcast. See ya. See ya.